Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, everyone. Marcel here. Before today's episode, I want to tell you about a new show that we are loving at Witch Please Productions, the Culture Study Podcast with Anne Helen Peterson. If you don't already know it, I'm convinced that you're about to fall in love with a new podcast. And this is coming from me, Marcel, someone who famously doesn't really listen to podcasts. Culture Study is a podcast about exploring the nooks and crannies of the culture that surrounds us. Each week, Anne and a super smart co-host will answer listeners' questions about the stuff they find interesting and perplexing, like, why do clothes suck now? And... Is Paw Patrol copaganda, or is it not that deep? And, like, what's the deal with everyone I know getting a divorce? Just like Anne's tremendously popular newsletter of the same name, Culture Study Podcast is funny, insightful, and kind of weird. And it's guaranteed to help you become the most interesting person at parties. Listen to the Culture Study Podcast every Wednesday, wherever you get your shows. Who knows? Maybe you'll recognize some guests in the coming months. Hello and welcome to Witch Please, a fortnightly podcast about the Harry Potter world. I'm Hannah McGregor. And today we're bringing you an actually genuinely mini, mini mini-sode in preparation for our collective reading of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. I spoke with Calgary-based actor, director, and playwright Jeremy Mason about reading scripts and the unique pleasures of theater. Jeremy is the former artistic director of New West Theater and was recently announced as one of the winners of Storybook Theater's inaugural National Theater for Young Audiences Playwriting Competition, so he knows his YA theater. A brief note before I take you into the interview. I had some... technical issues this was my first time recording this skype conversation with my new audio recorder uh and i didn't have the cords quite as well figured out as i was hoping that i would so apologies if things get a little buzzy from time to time just pretend that humming sound is like uh something magical like a spell like it's a humming spell all right let's go Okay, so thanks so much for agreeing to talk with us about theater, which I have a really hard time not saying with a funny accent every time. So particularly, we just have a couple of questions we want to ask for our listeners um, who may have already read uh, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child um, or who may be in the process of getting gearing up for reading it, um, but have possibly never read a play before. So I was wondering, first off, um, for any of our listeners who have never read a play for fun before, 
if you have any tips for sitting down and reading a play script. What would you say to, to listeners of ours who are reluctant to pick up Cursed Child specifically because it's a play? I think that um, I think that the idea of reading a play can sometimes be scary hmm. um, because it, it is so different. It's a, it, a lo- I don't know many people other than theater people that are reading plays. And so um, as a theater person, it's exciting the idea that uh, it's going to open up reading scripts to a whole different audience of people. Um, and so uh, so for me personally, that, that's really exciting. But I, I think from a sort of a general reading standpoint, I actually think that it won't be that different of an experience when you actually sit down and get into it, because you're still hearing the characters which people are in love with speak, and you're still hearing um, the tension between the words and and the different characters and, and how they're relating with each other. So I, I think that um, although you do miss what's happening in their heads and maybe some of the subtleties and nuances that um, you might get in a full novel, I, I don't think you're missing uh, the heart of the characters because mm-hmm. ultimately the important thing to remember is this is what the actors get to enliven um, what those characters look like. So um, a, a movie screenplay is not that different from a play. And so if people have seen the movies, all of those actors would have had to have started with um, this sort of base for where the story is coming from. And from there, those actors get to make all sorts of decisions on how to bring those lines to life and make audiences connect to it. And so the reader gets a really great chance to sort of be be part of that from the very beginning and especially as many people probably won't get a chance to see the play anytime in the near future um unless, unless they're overseas or in in the uk that yeah. uh, this gives them a chance to sort of be right on the cusp of what of what the the story is going to be like and the characters are talking like so i actually think it's a really exciting experience um so if people are a little bit re- reluctant i would i would tell them to get out there and give it a try anyway because i think that once they get into it they're they're especially if they're fans, they're, they're going to get into mm-hmm. the story. Mm-hmm. Have you read it? Uh, I actually have, and I've, I just picked it up yesterday to make sure that what I was going to talk about uh, was accurate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but actually, to be honest, I'm going to be 100% yeah. honest with you right now. I have never actually read any of the books or seen any of the movies. Oh, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, but... <laughs> But when I was in university, I was actually hired by like a video rental store. And I don't know if you know what those are anymore, but like a blockbuster. Yeah, something. yeah, I'm not young, okay. but uh, <laughs> but maybe some of our listeners have never been to a blockbuster. Yeah. Well, I was hired by one for the release of one of the movies to uh, dress up and act like Harry. A lot of people think Ooh. I look like Daniel Radcliffe, so uh-huh. that's so I have a very intimate experience with uh, with the Harry Potter franchise, although I haven't um, had the pleasure of reading any of the books. Oh, that's great. What was that like? It was it was it was interesting because uh, the children that were coming in to sort of rent the movie for the first time with their families were in complete awe because they felt that they were sort of meeting Harry for the first time in real life. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's also like a, a, lo- a local bird sanctuary had like loaned us some owls. So we were also like holding giant owls, which was terrifying, but exciting. And uh, yeah, it was a really fun experience. And um I think it, the, the kids really enjoyed it. And from an acting standpoint, it was kind of cool to portray a character that was incredibly popular, especially at that time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it was a great experience. Fantastic. So you re- you read a lot of scripts. It sounds like for pleasure as well as for your actual work. How do you tell if a script is good or bad since so much relies on the performance itself? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, actually. Um, generally 
scripts are actually a lot shorter to read, I find, than than a novel. Mm-hmm. Um, this one might be a little bit different because it's uh, it's quite a, it's quite a large show. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's still fairly short. There's most of the length of that book is filler. Right, right. <laughs> so yeah, I think that uh, scripts are easier to sort of get through in terms of uh, a time commitment. Mm-hmm. And so generally, for me, I'll know within the first like uh, twenty pages or so. If the the main thing is if the characters are speaking in a way that connects to me, or I can sense a sort of an immediate dynamic or tension between any of the characters, and it's mm-hmm. that'll be something that'll sort of grab my interest right off the bat. Um, the great thing about this, and especially for Harry Potter fans, I think, is you're coming in with an already vested interest in the characters and the story. Yeah. So I think that'll be a lot easier for people to sort of immediately get into it. But but for me, I, I'm always interested in how the the dialogue between characters. Um, sort of build and creates that sense of intrigue and you know that whole dynamic I think is is really interesting for me and and generally I'll know within the first few pages if I can feel that sort of rapport building which makes me want to get vested in the rest of the story. Mm-hmm. So do you read you know you just said uh, reading scripts is relatively quick as compared to reading novels do you reread scripts the way that people will reread their favorite novels? Well, that's a great question. Uh, I have before. Um, I wouldn't say that I necessarily reread for pleasure. Um, often it'll be something like I've read the play, I remember I, myself enjoying it, um, and then maybe a year or two later I'm like, I, I want to go back to that to see if it's what I remember it being. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know if it has that same um, readability in terms of going back again and again. That being yeah. said, if people are huge fans of the characters or that story, I, I could definitely see those those types of people wanting to go back and reread it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because a, a series like Harry Potter is really, you know, one of the things that builds such a strong fandom around it is that they're so rereadable and people will go back and reread them over and over again. Um, and, you know, every time you reread a favorite novel, you find something new in it, you learn something new about the characters. You know, I'm wondering if the same thing can be said about rereading a script versus going and seeing multiple different productions of that play. Yeah, I, I think that um, I, I think that for sure, because you're losing that element of what's happening in the character's head, mm-hmm. there might be some of those those subtleties that um, is harder to, to discover new things in the you know the second reading of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say, but I, I think with the script, the what you'll gain out of rereading is maybe um, what's happening underneath all of the lines. So if a character is saying, um, don't catch that bus, wait for the next bus, on the surface we're talking about buses, but underneath I'm talking about my undying love and me not wanting the evening to end. Yeah. So, and I think that, you know, as an actor, obviously you're looking for those things to make the lines more interesting. And as um, someone who's maybe reading a script for the first time, when you're, when you're, seeing the lines on the page they're just the words that are there but i think the fun would be in a subsequent reading of it is to maybe find and dig a little bit deeper to see what characters are saying beyond just the specific words that are there mm-hmm. so i i could see that being interesting in a, in a rereading yeah hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One of our listeners um, 
uh, tweeted at us about looking forward to people uh, staging their own readings of this play and like taping them and putting them up on YouTube. Like there are possibilities for fan interaction with a script that are really, really different from a novel, um, but that are exciting as well. For sure. Like I could I could totally see, uh, you know, 10 people getting together, having a bit of a party, pouring some drinks and, you know, getting up and staging or reading the the play aloud amongst the group, mm-hmm. um, especially because, again, it, it's a it's relatively short in terms of a novel that you can easily finish that within an evening. And it's a it's sort of a different way, I think, to interact with the story and the words as opposed to that sort of solitary experience you might get with a novel. This allows for an opportunity for people to interact with other people that are excited about the story and excited about the characters to get together as a group and share in that experience. And that's you know one of the powerful things about theater as a performance. And I think actually getting up and reading it, um, even on your feet, is a different level in way people can engage with the story and the characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So that's, you know, theater has always this communal collaborative feel to it um, because of the way that it, you know, by necessity requires a whole bunch of people to be involved. Um, so let's talk briefly about authorship. So one of the things that has confused a lot of people about Harry Potter and the Cursed Child is that it has three names on the cover. Right. Because the story is by Rowling, and then there's also the other two authors credited are the playwright and the director of the play, who is also given full credit on the cover. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering if you could um, tease out, you have, have been both a playwright and a director yourself. So I wonder if you could tease out a little bit the relationship between playwright and director on a play and how that might differ from like the authorship of a novel. Right, that that's a great question. Um, in theater, uh, generally, the the playwright is um, considered, uh, if I can put quotes around this, God within the production. So you always want to sort of give honor to the script and what's actually been written. Um, so when when actors show up with the script, the the idea is that the actors will say every word as written, mm-hmm. and the director is a bit of the guide to put that together. Um, as a sort of visual piece that will be up in front of people. Uh, now, that being said, with a new production of a script, there's um, always has to be a sense of a, a, a workshop or a refinement within the script, especially because a playwright might write a joke that never actually quite lands the right way they imagine in front of an audience, and so huh. some of those mm-hmm. tweaks have to happen. Mm-hmm. Now, in, in larger-scale productions that you might see on uh, Broadway or the West End, uh, generally, they're sinking an awful lot of money mm-hmm. into this production they hope is going to run for a really long time. And so through that, there's going to be a bit of a collaborative process to ensure that the script is good enough that people will, um, you know, just because it's Harry Potter, yeah, people are going to buy tickets. But if the story or the script is not what people expect, then they're not going to keep coming back. So I imagine in this sense, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, Rowling has created great characters and maybe has had uh, uh, the, the overarching story. Um, but Playwriting is a sort of a specific craft that, again, because as a novelist, you get to go on for pages and pages describing what's happening in the smell in the air and what's happening in the characters' heads, and you don't have that luxury in stage. And so a playwright sort of has to refine that story to be able to have that uh, same feeling translated to the audience through the words and ideally any sort of Mm -hmm. physical thing that might be happening or visual thing. So uh, hiring then a playwright to actually put the story and the words into a format that works for theater. And then the director, I imagine in this case, uh, would have been there um, to help uh, 
find the places that weren't working, refine that, offer suggestions to make it better. And I, so I imagine through that process, you end up having a few different people who are uh, credited as, as creators, essentially, on the show. Mm-hmm. So those people mm-hmm. have had di- different aspects of the production and the creation, but they've all contributed intricately to what you're reading or what you're seeing. Yeah. Yeah. As a, as an aside, the, the, I don't know if you have heard this, but the, um, the version of the cursed child that is published right now is, um, from previews. Right. Uh, so it may in fact not even be what is happening on stage right now. Um, cause you know, they go through previews and they change things. Oh, exactly. Yeah. The, um, um yeah. on Broadway as well, they'll do, uh, you know, huge runs. The show might run for five or 10 years and it mm-hmm. might do a uh, hundred days of previews. And during that time, they're refining things, cutting whole characters, combining characters, losing two or three scenes because it's running long. Like there's lots of changes that will happen. Yeah. So it's, I think it's really interesting that, um, readers kind of get a chance to get this, snapshot of what the play was when it was published um and then the idea that i imagine if this is popular that they may do another draft of the actual sort of production script that becomes published apparently that's the plan a sort of collector's edition production script with photographs from the actual production that's great yeah 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 it's a good marketing plan yeah it's really good yeah (laughs) um so speaking of marketing i have heard a number of people express surprise that rowling decided to continue the series in the form of a play um since live theater by definition has a smaller audience than a novel or a film and i mean literally like a million people can't go see the cursed child in london i'm wondering if you are also surprised to hear that this like you know major media network decided that the logical next step was live theater um i think yes uh a lot of people if you're looking at harry potter as a franchise to print money mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, i find i i do find that a bit shocking mm-hmm. my my gut feeling is that rowling's a bit uh, more of an artist i would imagine and i think for her there's some energy and excitement about presenting the story in sort of a different way mm-hmm. And um, I think that, you know, you, you could make the argument that there's uh, a bit of fatigue over seeing um, the same sort of movies over and over again. Or, yeah. um, you know, I imagine that if people started reading the books when they were first coming out, people have grown, aged, are in different life areas. Um, and then further to that, the actors who are portraying them in uh, movies are either maybe too old or too young, depending on the avenue the story is. So mm-hmm. I think that. Um, I, th- I think the the other thing that's sort of interesting is it, it allows the stories now to live on in a different context, which allows the stories to uh, to be different and for the writers to tell different stories a little bit within sort of this shared universe that essentially they're creating. So yeah, yeah, I really like that. She's obviously interested in experimenting with. Uh all of the different venues through which you can expand a universe, right? She's doing the online stuff. She's She is actually writing the script for Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, um, even though she didn't write the script for The Cursed Child. So she's also experimenting with that genre as well. You know, as final thoughts, uh, what is specific to live theater that maybe got Rowling so excited? Uh, I mean, I'm a theater person. So my sort of perspective on, on theater is that Theater works best when you tell stories that can't necessarily be told in a different medium. So uh, 
for me, my sort of assumption is that Rowling has a story that she wants to tell that through a long, expensive, arduous process of creating a movie or even writing another novel, which may not have the same sort of uh, glam to some degree that maybe it had in the past, that mm-hmm. um, it, it allows her as a bit of an artist to experiment in a different way and to tell a story through a different medium and, and to tell a story that um, is probably going to be best told through the use of a live production. And especially on the West End or Broadway, the budgets for those shows allow for a different level and a different type of experience that audience goers are, are sort of going to get are going to experience. Mm-hmm. So, um, for me, I think that I think that that live theater will give an opportunity for that story to come to life in front of people live in front of you. Mm-hmm. And you know, when you go see a movie. Everything that's been created happened months and sometimes years before. And the audience sits in there and crunches on their popcorn loudly and shuffles out to go to the washroom and the most uh, intense scenes that you had care for. Uh-huh. And there's sort of a disconnect in there. And as a novel, it's a very solitary experience that mm-hmm. the writer doesn't sort of get to see the impact of that. But but in theater, you're you're in this shared room and the actors definitely feel the energy of an audience, good or bad. Mm-hmm. And the um, the audience feels the energy of the actors. And so there's something that's a it's a different it's a very just different experience being in the room with people who are performing it live in front of you. Um, something they've rehearsed many times, but that might shift ever so slightly depending on the makeup and the energy of the audience that's there. And I think that's a really special experience and um, especially one, I think, where a lot of the audience probably has such care and love for for the characters that have been created. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And from what I've heard, the the reviews of the actual production are incredibly good. It's just the script itself that people are are struggling to wrap their heads around. Um, and again, mm-hmm. to go back to that first question, I think it's just because a lot of people haven't read a play script since they were in grade 11 and somebody was making them read Hamlet. Which is the worst experience. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Have a great one. Thanks so much, witches, for joining us for episode 16.5.5. Of which please. As always, you can stream the rest of our episodes at ohwitchplease.ca or subscribe on your podcatcher of choice. Don't forget to check out our fabulous merch at society6, that's six like the number, dot com slash ohwitchplease, and come hang out with us on Twitter at ohwitchplease. In fact, this is probably the ideal time to tweet at us since it'll get you into the next episode's Twitter list. <gasps> Special thanks, as always, to our erstwhile tech support, Trevor Chow Fraser. Hi, how are you doing? Who recently walked me through the process of acquiring my own audio recorder and microphone and how to plug my audio recorder into my laptop so that I record Skype calls. He's been a huge help. And thanks again to Jeremy Mason. You can follow him on Twitter at... I'm going to say this is pronounced Jerman 1983 That's J-E-R-M-A-N 1983. Our next episode will bring us the first half of our discussion of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. And watch out on Twitter for a call for some questions from you folks. But until then, later witches. Witches.